If you have your Bible with you this morning, would you turn with me to the book of Galatians? The book of Galatians chapter 5, we are going to pick up where we left off last week, namely at verse 16, as we continue through this wonderful book and this precious chapter. This is one of the places in Scripture that it's it's really Christianity 101. It, it's where the rubber meets the road in practically living out a Christian life in this world. And so I hope today that you have come with a prayerful seeking in your heart toward God, that he will teach you and guide you and instruct you in the ways of righteousness for his name's sake and for your good. So what we want to do is try to pick up the flow of thought so that we don't get confused here in where we are. So I think if you would, if it'd be okay with you, I'd like to begin reading at verse 1 and then just remember the flow of thought as we go down through here until we get to uh, verse 16 and then that will be our text that we'll look at this morning. So let's look at it together beginning in verse 1. For freedom Christ has set us free. For freedom we have been set free. And it is Christ who does the freeing. Stand firm therefore and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. And specifically we're thinking about the slavery of legalism. And in this case specifically we would be thinking about uh, Judaistic legalism. However, you can be enslaved in legalism in a multitude of ways. Verse 2, look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness, For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view. And the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But if... I, brothers, still preach circumcision. Why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. And let's stop there and pray together. Merciful and gracious and holy God of heaven, Lord Jesus, 
the Christ. We bow in your presence this morning to thank you for this day of life that you've given us. And to thank you for the health and the mind and the strength that you've given us. To thank you for these sweet songs that we've been able to sing and privileged to sing. Thank you for these scriptures that were read. Thank you for the fellowship that we are having in this place this morning. Thank you for your spirit and thank you, Lord, for your word. It is a light into our path. It is a lamp unto our feet. Lord, and we pray that you would take these words that you inspire to be written and God illuminate them before our eyes, before our minds, our hearts, that we would receive them joyfully and that they would have a powerful impact upon us for your glory, for our good, for the good of future generations by the power of your Holy Spirit. We pray for this in faith in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, you can see on the screen the supernatural, spirit-empowered life, subtitle, Confidence in the Battle Against the Flesh. Doesn't everybody want to know how to do that and what that's like? A supernatural, spirit-empowered life. The Christian life, my friends, is a supernatural life. It is a life that can only be lived By the power of the Holy Spirit of God. It's the only way that it could happen. And these verses are some of the most powerful and pointed words that testify to this reality. Now I want to share with you basically three things. But it really boils down to two things from this text. Number one will be our the walk of the Spirit. Walking in the Spirit. We'll talk about that for a while. The second thing is the struggle or the battle. I may even start with that. I'm not sure yet. (laughs) And the third thing will be the effect or the results of walking in the Spirit, or as we see in verse 18, being led by the Spirit, which I think are parallel statements. The effect of walking in the Spirit, being led by the Spirit, is that we have power over the flesh and we are free from the law. Those two things are the effect. So I just told you the sermon and you can go home now and we're, no, we're not done. So, but that is the sermon in a short statement. There's a warning here in this passage and there is an assurance here. The warning is Christian life is a battle. If you thought it was going to be easy, sorry, it's not. That's the warning. The assurance is you have the power to be victorious. Spiritual power. And the last assurance is that we're in no danger whatsoever from being punished according to the law because we are in Christ. We have... A battle, verse 17, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Remember, I said that you're free to do whatever you want to do. The reality is, if you're a new creation in Christ, you want to please God. 
You want to honor God. You want to love God with all of your heart. You want to love your neighbor as yourself. He gives you those desires. But there's a warning here. It's a battle. Verse 21 down there that we did not read talks about the fruit or the, the uh, what does it say there? The works in verse 19 of the flesh. And it goes down through there in verse 21 after the at the end of that list. And things like these, which we'll get to that later. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. There's a warning here. And there's an assurance here. In verse 16, it says very simply that if we walk with the Spirit, we will not gratify or fulfill or do the desires of the flesh. There's assurance there that you have spiritual power. There's an assurance here that we're not in any danger of punishment from the law. Verse 18 again says, but if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. You are free from the law. The law cannot condemn you anymore. And the reason is because you are in Christ. Look at verse 24. And those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So the assurance is spiritual power, no punishment from the law, and we are free from it. And because, and it is all because we are in Christ. Now last week, to get us back in the flow of thought, we were thinking about what is the nature of Christian freedom. Are we free in Christ to just do as we please? (laughs) Well, in one kind of technical sense, you are. But the nature of the kind of freedom and the kind of new creation that God has made you to be, if you are in fact in Christ, is a creature, as I said, that has the indwelling Holy Spirit of God who gives you holy, righteous, godly, and Godward desires. Once. So do what you want. You want to do things that are pleasing to God, and that comes by the power of the Holy Spirit. So this is just a summary statement that I thought would be helpful to get us thinking about last week into this week. Christian freedom is not a free pass to yield to the flesh and sin. Not flesh and sin, but yield to the flesh and therefore sin. Live in sin. I'll say that again. Christian freedom is not a free pass to yield to the desires of the flesh and therefore sin. You do not have a free pass on sinning because you are in Christ. When you think about the nature of it, that's why he says in verse 13, For you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom. So you are free, but don't use it as an opportunity for the flesh. And I want to add something here at that point. If you if you push pause there and jump over to that verse that we read, and that warning in verse 21... I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's why I'm saying the nature of Christian freedom is not one that gives rise to lawlessness, godlessness. It's not. It's not a free pass to yield to the flesh and sin. Secondly, it is not the freedom to hurt other people. 
But as he says in verse 13, at the end of that where we left off, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And the warning in verse 15, if you bind and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. It's not the freedom to indulge in fleshly desires. It is not the freedom to hurt other people, but it is a call to love people. It is a call to consider the impact of your actions on other people, especially people within the household of faith and your Christian witness as well. But... The alternative, as we read, is to be compelled by love, acting in faith by the power of the Spirit. That's a summary statement of last week. So if all of these are characteristics and some of the things that we said that are negative are not characteristic of true Christian freedom, then what's the alternative? Well, the answer is that we walk by the Spirit. That we have a supernatural Spirit-empowered life with confidence in God in the battle against the flesh. Now, let me read these statements, and here's what I want to do. I think I've made a decision. I want us to read, and I want to talk about that first thing, walking in the Spirit, very briefly. Then I'm going to dwell a little bit on the battle or the struggle. I like that word. I really like that word. I was searching for language here. I want to get at your hearts this morning. It is a struggle. It's a struggle. It's a battle. But you know, I think we become dismissive of of wartime language, even though we should definitely use it within the Christian life. But it's a struggle. And we're going to see that and we'll dwell there for just a moment. And then we'll come back and, and, and tie it all together. So, verse 16. This is the alternative to legalism. This is the alternative to looking to the law, to externally pressure you into conforming your behavior out of fear. The alternative, verse 16, is, but I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Now, verse 17 is the struggle, the struggle. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. This is a battle. This is a struggle between the nature of sin and the Holy Spirit. And all of your Christian life, you will have this struggle. I used to think, I really did, I thought Christian maturity was one of those things where you kind of eventually get to the place (laughs) where you don't struggle with sin. Well, you don't actually get there until Jesus comes back. The whole of Christian life, listen, the, the Bible teaches this over and over. If you think that you're standing kind of real strong and upright, the Bible says, take heed lest you what? fall. So it's at the point when you think, hey, I've kind of arrived, that you're probably, if not certainly, the most vulnerable to some kind of sin. Now, one of the things that we're going to notice about both the spiritual power to walk in the Spirit and the struggle or the battle against the flesh, against sin, is that it is ongoing. 
It's ongoing. Until we are glorified with new spiritual bodies, we'll be in this struggle. Now, I'll give you, I'll lighten the room up a little bit. Some of the struggles that you have today, as you grow in maturity in Christ, theological development and application of biblical truth, then the context of the church, some of the things you will not struggle with later on in life, most likely. Some of the things you'll be able to lay down and lay aside and never look back at it again. But there are other things that are constantly plaguing us, like pride, like self-centeredness. I have witnessed some of the paradoxical realities in the Christian church. A lot of people just think, if you're older, you must be wiser and more spiritual. Not so. Not so. Sometimes that can be true. Sometimes it's not. Every journey is an individual journey within the context of the church that we are expected to constantly face this struggle in faith, utilizing the means of grace that God has given so that over time we should grow in theological development. Our image of God and Christ and the way He works in salvation, the way His Spirit works in our lives, the way He works with all of His means of grace... And, and putting those to the test year after year, we should grow in theological development. We should grow in, in walking by the Spirit, enabled by the Spirit, empowered by the Spirit. We should grow in those things. But we never reach a point in a place that we do not have the nature of sin to struggle with. We never get there. Remember Romans chapter 8. This is what we're waiting for. Verses 19 to 23. Romans 8, 19, for the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been grown together in pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we eagerly wait for adoption as sons. Listen, the redemption of our bodies. Romans 8 says. How does it go? I don't know if I can quote it. Those whom he foreknew. He predestined. Those whom he predestined. He called. Those whom he called. He justified. And those whom he justified. He glorified. There's coming a day. In the future. For the child of God. For the Christian church. That we will have new glorified bodies. Philippians says that Paul writes to the Philippian church and says that it will be fashioned like Christ's most glorious body. And you will never sin again. You will never sin again. But until then, we have a struggle. We have a battle. So the first thing that I want to say about it is it's ongoing until Christ returns. Secondly, I want to say this. Fleshly desires are at war with spirit desires. That's clear from the text. The flesh and the spirit are what are at odds with each other. 
Now, we have to define our terms, don't we? What do we mean by flesh? You ever heard somebody say, deliver, we'll be delivered from the power of sin and we'll be delivered from Satan and the world and the flesh. Well, does it, when, when you say the word world, does that mean the ground? No, it doesn't mean the ground. It means the spirit of the age of the world, the philosophies of the world systems and religious systems of the world apart from God. It's the same way with the word flesh. In Scripture, in the New Testament, the word flesh can mean just your physical body. But most of the time, the way that that word is used is with a definition a little bit more than just your physical body. It's not that the skin is sinfully inclined so much as it is a, that word flesh is a representation of the nature of sin that we have in these earthly bodies. You have desires to eat and sleep and drink and have fun, <laughs> kids in the room. So there's a lot of earthly, sensual, fleshly desires that are normal and natural for a human physical body, right? The problem is there's a nature of sin that's fallen and corrupted and perverts all of that. So you have gluttony and drunkenness and on and on we could go on. Things to do with eating and sleeping. Laziness. So you have all of these things. And that's the way that we should think about this word. The flesh, in verse 17, desires and spirit desires. Look at uh, Galatians 3, 3 again. You, you and I looked at it together before. But if you look at verse 3, he says, Are you so foolish, Galatians 3, 3, Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the what? So one of the ways he wants us to think about that word flesh is you began by the power of the Spirit. Now are you going to do better and perfect what the Spirit started with you by the flesh? And what does he mean right there? Human effort. Human effort. Are you going to add to what the Spirit did, the supernatural Power of God, are you going to add to that and perfect that and improve upon that through the flesh? Through your self-effort? No, you're not. Look at chapter 6 and verse 12. Chapter 6 and verse 12. He uses the word again. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. And so the way he uses it there is talking about the Judaizers. They want to make a good show, an outward show. So when we think about this word and this warfare and this battle and this struggle that is ongoing in our Christian lives, it is between the fallen human uh, sin nature that is inclined to, to, to pursue its own desires apart from God. When you add all of that together, that's the kind of definition that you come with. I'll say it again. The flesh is the factor or the principle that is at work within us that seeks to accomplish our own desires apart from God. And that's what we're at odds with. That's what the Spirit is at odds with. Turn, if you will, there's no better text in all of the Bible to go alongside this. Than Romans chapter 7. 
Romans chapter 7. This can describe all of us in the room, I guarantee you, at some point in some time. And probably on a daily basis, if you're honest. Romans chapter 7. <laughs> and uh, let's see. Let's look at verse 14. Well, wait a minute. Let's go down to verse 18. Verse 18. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in what? In my flesh. There again, nothing in me. The emphasis there is on me, myself, apart from God. Just in the natural me, he says, there is nothing good that is in me, that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the what? Ability to carry it out. The problem is not that he doesn't want to do good. The problem is in and of himself, he knows he doesn't have the power to do it. This is the struggle. Look, if you will, at verse 25. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my what? Flesh. I serve the law of sin. The flesh is that part of us that serves sin. And you won't get rid of it until you get a glorified body. Now, let's go back to verse 14. And listen to this struggle as he puts it here. Verse 14. This is still in Romans 7. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh sold under sin. Those two things are parallel statements. To be in the flesh is to be sold under sin. For, for I do not understand my own actions. You ever been there? For I do, I do not do what I want. But I do the very thing I hate. Now if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, this is so confusing, I know. It is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? You ever been there? You ever been to that place in prayer, my friends? God, what am I doing? Oh, wretched man that I am. How am I going to be delivered from this? And then he answers it. (laughs) Thanks be to God. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. So that I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with the flesh, the law of sin. 
This is a real struggle that is difficult and hard and constant until we have a glorified body. But, beloved, there is an assurance. There is hope here in this text. Let's go back and see it. Chapter 5 of Galatians, verse 16, the walk of the Spirit. The power and the assurance that, listen, I will not be dominated by sin is not my own power, but the power of God the Holy Spirit. Paul says emphatically in verse 16, but I say, walk by the Spirit and you will what? Not gratify the desires of the flesh. Listen, the desires of the flesh, they're going to be there, but you don't have to gratify them. Now, I know in a room like this, I know that that hits all of us hard. You have zero excuse and neither do I. The struggle is going to be there. He doesn't say the desire of the flesh is going anywhere. He just says you don't have to gratify it. And the way that you will not gratify it is this thing called walking in the Spirit. Or walking rather by the Spirit. That's a better translation. To walk by the power of the Spirit. Let me say a couple things about it. Number one, this is an imperative. This is an imperative. And I love this because this gives a balance that I'm going to talk about here in a moment. This is a, there's a balance that we need to understand in this text. We are commanded to walk by the power of the Spirit of God. Secondly, this is ongoing. Just like we talked about with the battle, the, the, the warfare, the struggle. Beloved, I know you have it. I feel you. I do. I have it. It's a struggle. And if you're not concerned with sin in your life, you need to be more concerned than I am that I do struggle with sin in my life. Because if you don't struggle with sin, it's an indication that you're not the new creation. You don't have the new godly desires. But if you're struggling and you're in the fight, then it's a sign of the reality that you have the indwelling Spirit of God. And it's ongoing. The word there, walk by the Spirit, you can think of it more clearly as the word walking. Walking. Step by step. It's continual. It's constant, continual stepping one foot in front of the other, empowered by God the Holy Spirit. This is a moment-by-moment dependence on God the Holy Spirit that we would... Not gratify the desires of the flesh, but be living, led, directed, and empowered by the Spirit. This is a continual process. Don't miss that. I know what you want. It's the same thing I want. Oh God, take this away from me so that I don't struggle anymore. In Jesus' name, amen. And then you get up and you never have a problem again. I know that's what you want. You're not going to get it. (laughs) That's not the way it works. Here's the way it works. Step by step by step. God, I'm looking to you. Give me strength. Fill me with your spirit. I hide your word in my heart that I sin not against you. 
I am involved with the church. I'm studying your word, reading your word, memorizing your word, singing it with the congregation, sitting as it's taught and taking it in and living step by step, moment by moment in the process of being empowered by the spirit to overcome the flesh. You have the power. It's just not going to be, I call it the zap. Now, if you get the zap, praise God if you get it, but I haven't never received that. No, I've got a desire to God in my heart. I've got a desire that's Godward. And even when I sin, and I do sin, I can kneel down before my Father and I, I feel it. I have a desire to please God. And if you don't get this, this is the way to live the Christian life. Moment by moment, step by step, depending on God. Now we've got to talk about what that actually looks like, but that's another sermon. Seven times in this text, the Apostle Paul mentions the Spirit. It's a Spirit-empowered supernatural life. It's the reason that if you're not born again of the Spirit of God, all you can be is a legalist. That's all you can be. Because you don't have the power of the Spirit. You don't have the inclinations of the Spirit. So all you can do is conform the outward behavior. That's all you can do. And that's the reason that it's so smug and gloomy for people who are legalists. The joy of the Lord is the joy of the Spirit of God within me, within you. They started Galatians 3, 3, by the Spirit. They began by the Spirit, Galatians 3, 3. And then over here in Galatians uh, chapter 5, he says, For we, verse 5, through the Spirit, by faith, are waiting for the hope of righteousness. We start by the Spirit. We walk day by day, moment by moment, depending upon God, the Holy Spirit, until He comes and we get a new body and we don't ever sin again. So to summarize it, we could say the way to live a holy, righteous life that supremely honors God and serves others out of love is by the power of God, the Holy Spirit. That's the way it's going to happen. It's the only way. Third thing. First thing, it's an imperative. Second thing, it's ongoing. Third thing, this life is a balance between surrender and work. Don't check out on me just yet. This is so important. This is so important. This is a life of balance between surrender and work. Write that down. You remember Philippians 2, 12 and 13? I'll read it. Just listen. Philippians 2, 12 and 13. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence. Listen to this. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Think of an airplane. There's one wing. Work. It's on the other side to balance it. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. A Christian life is a life of balance between surrender and work. I'm trying to think of a quote. Work with all of your might. Trust not in the least of your works. Work with all of your might to seek God and yet understand that it is not decisively you but God who upholds you and empowers you and enables you to do 
and to live the Christian life. It's a balance between, on the one hand, think of these words, surrender, receiving. You receive grace. You receive strength. You receive faith. You receive the, the, the desire of repentance. All of these you receive from God. Surrendered to God. You receive believing, resting in who you are in Christ. That's one part of it, but it's not the only part of it. If you take that approach and you don't have the balance on the other side, you're going to be a passive Christian that is overrun by sin. On the other hand, think of these words. Work, labor, effort, pursuit, discipline, ask, seek, knock. All action words. The the Christian life is a life that is supernatural, empowered by the Spirit. But the way that you are filled with the Holy Spirit is not to just passively sit back and that old phrase that doesn't work, let go and let God, that's not biblical at all. Let go and let God, you need to let go of that kind of philosophy. Let go, put you over here passively in the corner, give me the zap, you do it all. That's not the way it's going to work. The the power to take the next step in a God-honoring, Christ-exalting life will be there. The power will be there. But you've got to take the step. It's a balance between surrender and work. This is one of the things that we need to recover in the 21st century Christian church. That we understand how to walk by the Spirit, enabled by the Spirit, Led by the Spirit, he says there in in verse 18. If you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Led, directed, guided, prompted by the Holy Spirit. You're not under the law. There's no condemnation. You don't need the law to live the Christian life. But if you walk by the Spirit, if you're empowered and indwelt, indwelt and empowered by the Spirit of God, then you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. You won't. You won't want to. And you'll have the power not to. And that's the fourth thing. Walking by the Spirit gives victory over the flesh. Well, I'm not really done, but I guess I am. We can pick up that next idea next week if we live. And if not, then we won't have to worry about it anyways. Because we'll be in the presence of the Lord. And that's where I long to be. I'll tell you, I get tired of this old world. But most of all, I get tired of sin. I don't like the struggle. I don't like it for you. I don't like it for me. But we have it. And it's one of the reasons that God has given us each other in the church. I'll talk to you more about the means of grace for you to be victorious. Most people are, listen to, most people are living isolated, individualistic lives that are overrun by sin. In one way or another. Why? Because we are neglecting the work labor, seeking part of it. And we're neglecting the very means of grace that God has given us to walk victoriously in this life. Well, the first step in walking a victorious Christian life is to become a Christian. And the way that you do that is by trusting in Christ alone. Believing upon The Bible simply says it like this. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. On the basis of what Jesus did on the cross, 
I'm asking you, Father, God, my creator, to forgive me and to make me your own. Let me pray with you. Father, as we bow here this this evening, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your holy word. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you for all of your grace and goodness that you have so lavishly given us today. And we pray, O Lord, that you will take these words, seal them to our hearts, that we may walk in the Spirit, enabled by the Spirit. This is a supernatural life, O God. And we pray that you would fill us all, that we can walk in a way that honors you. Walk in a way, live in a way that exalts Christ, promotes the gospel, edifies the church. Reaches the lost. God, we pray for that. If there's one here today that came in here and they do not know that freedom from sin, we, we pray for them that you will draw them and call them, that they would repent and turn away from sin and self everything and trust in Christ alone and what he did to make them right with you in a peaceful relationship, eternal peaceful relationship. We pray for that in Jesus' name. Amen.